and welcome to a Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and welcome back to a brand new episode. This week, I am going to be continuing the adventure down the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. This time around, we will be joined once again by Jordan Green. We'll be analysing the final episode of the series. I'd like to say sorry for the last episode where we both said there were two episodes left. There was, in fact, only one episode left in the series, which, which I can't believe, and that Obi-Wan is already over. We should be going through the best parts of the episode, but also underlining some of the really important details that are beloved by the Star Wars community. One of the greatest things that I've seen from this series is how the Star Wars community has come together, the amount of memes being put out on the internet, the amount of high ground, low ground, uh, hello there jokes. It's fantastic to see. And I think you can see on the the podcasts not only my joy, but also Jordan and, and the Star Wars community's joy in the production of this series and how well done it's been, you know, put together the predictions that we put forward in the last episode and hopefully in this episode you'll see that continuation of appreciation for the depth and breadth of the the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Uh, Ewan McGregor has killed it once again. Hayden Christian came back and he can go back to his farm with a smile on his face knowing that he made Darth Vader look extremely awesome as well as putting the link between Obi-Wan and Anakin into the ground with a nail and hammer and saying, thank goodness it's over. But nonetheless, let's get started. Let's dive in. So welcome to the show, Jordan Green, and let's analyze. So I I do want to, you know, start off with a little bit of something that I found kind of funny. And I don't know if you noticed this or not. And this is like one of the first things I saw in the episode was the saber, you know, the saber wounds not affect anyone other than Qui-Gon Jinn. (laughs) I would say Darth Maul, but is it a wound if it goes all the way through you? Yeah, my my question is like, Darth Maul survived. It seemed to be like Count Dooku and Qui-Gon are the (laughs) only ones who've died from their wounds somehow. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely got the uh, short straws there. Yeah, definitely, madly. Because that's the first thing you see in the episode is, oh, look, the third sister somehow survived. The, The Inquisitor just straight like stabbing her through the stomach you're like yeah the inquisitor Inquisitor, the um grand inquisitor surviving as well i was like Mm. "Mm, that's convenient yeah and you know what's even more convenient is that uh rupert friend the guy who plays him said on an interview that he got stabbed in quote unquote one of his stomachs so the whole idea was that there's this like multiple stomach thing in him (laughs) kind of convenient you know there he goes. Yeah, exactly. I, I still, I but, still was a little bit disappointed. There's no Mace Windu, but what can you do, dude? I, I think that you know, if they wanted to elevate, and we talked about this in a lot of po- last podcast, but I feel that if they wanted to elevate Boba Fett, you bring back Mace Windu as like some sort of like counter insurgent slash like you know half on half bad guy slash good guy, you know. And have him fight. Maybe that, yeah, that maybe that is a thing that we might see in the next season of Boba Fett. That would be good. I think he'd probably fit more into that than anything else. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, Mace Windu. Well, I say Mace Windu. I always say Mace Windu rather than Samuel Jackson. But Samuel Jackson has said that he will come back for the series if asked by Disney. Was... A few moments later. Move it. Moving on, if I can, with the connection, without interrupting me. Um, I was going to say that something I found kind of like interesting is how badass Owen and Beru were, if that's how you say our yeah. name in, in the episode, like, you know, taking on an Inquisitor just single-handedly. Yeah, that actually, that was one of my um, things that I did note down because we used to see in them these sort of tame old farmers, the, the strict guardians of Luke who were just keeping him in check. And they're out here like, throwing crates and shooting versus through blasters and all this sort of stuff well yeah badass we don't see that a lot yeah man and like on top of that he he gets a staff out so it's like prodding with it i was just yeah. like god this is this is high energy he managed to get a few blows in with it he, he did a smacker on the head of it I thought, yeah, go on, boy. he is related to anakin even though he isn't it's like half brother stuff isn't it but he's, it's there it's the metachlorians i didn't think it was cool when um is it Reva, her name, first sister? Reva? Yeah. Um, when she said something about 
um, Owen treating Luke like his own or raising him in his own. And he turns around and says, he is my own. Yeah, I thought that was really nice. I, th- I think that's really important to the series as well for, for him to like to, to say that he wouldn't have done this if he didn't believe it, you know. I think how how um, both Luke and Leia and all these families that really want them as their own and do raise them as their own is sort of yes. testament to how well, how much Kenobi and Yoda cared for them that they would set them up with families they knew would be that loving. And it works out, doesn't it? Because it's like the contrast to Anakin, where he was, you know, taken away from not a great start to them being given the great start, which then allows oh, yeah. them to, to grow into good people, which does say a lot, doesn't it? Nature versus nurture. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I suppose they were both more or less devoid of any dark side. Luke maybe had a bit. And there was the, some uh, pretty cool Star Wars content out there showing him uh, being converted by Starkiller into the dark side, which I always, it, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by and that sort of thing. That would be cool. Apart from that one time when uh, Ben Solo was having a bad dream, Luke's like, right, that's it. <laughs> Mate, this is where Disney really got the writing <laughs> wrong. And Mark Hamill said it himself, like, it doesn't make sense at all. Luke's character is meant to be the the above and beyond forgiveness like he is willing to forgive somebody who's turned to the dark side so it doesn't really mm. match his character does it like, overall. it was a little bit a little bit out i think yeah quite a lot of things in the new the the sequel trilogy were like that how mm, mm, mm. coming back was my biggest my biggest bug like it worked like in sort of in terms of the storyline it does make sense but it's just wasted potential they could have had they could have had a new bad guy. Yes, Snoke really, I felt let, let down that Snoke could have been something really interesting and it was just like sort of swept aside, you know? Yeah. Because they, they could have had like a, a um, Sauron, Saruman kind of thing going on. They could have had someone trying to bring back Palpatine, like a new Sith Lord trying to bring him back or something. But like, yeah, it just felt a little bit underdone undercooked totally agree and on on top of that these the amount of sith lords out there that have such great detail we've talked about this before there are so many amazing characters that you could have even made a reference to you know you could have made some sort of uh like snoke was trying to be one of them a very similar like uh yeah immortality i don't know i i just feel that could have been just that little bit more attention to detail which is the best thing about the obi-wan kenobi series i think is that there is that attention to detail and mm. you know bringing it back to to this episode uh, i wanted to to see from you what what sort of notes did you see what what was your first thought when you you saw the the episode um a lot of it was things about vader still um there's there's a part where he said he's not just any jedi so he's putting his his sort of personal grievance against kenobi over catching the rebellion mm. that was quite interesting to me because he's while he's still serving palpatine he's got his own his own sort of errands that he wants to run and put ahead of his missions yeah i i always found that really intriguing because obviously vader's original image of himself was the ruler and he has to be the subordinate in this case in the rule of two and so he does have this you know side agenda and i do i think you've latched on to something really interesting there where he he's like kenobi is is the higher priority in my eyes even though it undermines the empire and then he sort of at the end almost lied to palpatine and said um he kenobi's nothing to me i serve only you all this sort of stuff i was like yeah we know your game (laughs) exactly no but, but palpatine also knows exactly how to manipulate him which I found really yeah. intriguing, you know, using Obi-Wan against him in some ways to be able to solidify his loyalty to, to Palpatine. Um, there was another thing I noticed. My, my notes aren't exactly in chronological order. They just sort of they're grouped into topic. So another one about Luke, um, when Ernan Brewery told him to run, the, mm. 
music while Luke was running away, in part, sounded quite similar to Jewel of the Fates. Oh, okay. That's that's I've quite this, strange. I've noticed this with a lot of the um, a lot of the music, especially in the final episode. There are it'll be like a bar here and there, but it's quite similar to music from the other films. Like um when Vader arrives to fight Obi-Wan Kenobi, the sort of motif they've given Vader sounds quite similar to the Imperial March in the first few notes. Mm. And it's just yeah. nice way of tying it all together. I, to be honest, mate, sometimes I, I noticed with uh, Obi-Wan and Vader fighting, I got tones of the hero, the Battle of the Heroes a little bit, but I didn't mm. realise that it was throughout the uh, throughout the episode. I, I clearly wasn't listening that keenly. <laughs> I mean, it may just be coincidence, but I, it seems it seems too put together to be a coincidence. I don't, I don't think they would leave anything to chance because it's that well written. I think that would extend mm, yeah. to the music. Definitely. It is cool to um also see some agility from Vader because we used to him just not not regal but quite reserved and he would pick his fights and you don't really see him move around that much. But when they're fighting, you see him really move around quite a bit. And he's he's got this his fighting style changes since he was Anakin too, because he he fights a lot with one hand and uses the force a lot when he's Vader in the suit. And mm. that shows a lot more. Yeah, no, mate, that's something I picked up on as well. I was really impressed by the fact that it was almost as if he was still part Anakin when he was fighting Vader, which I found really intriguing. Yeah. In the sense that, you know, there was this, like you said, the agility, the use of the force. Also, he'd learned from the previous fight because there was a move where Obi-Wan tried to basically do a similar dis, like, what's, what's it called? Where they, uh, de-guard? I can't remember what it, what it was exactly. But he spins around, and it's the moment where Vader pun- either punches or kicks him in the face, because he's learned mm. from, because he does that to him in the Mustafar fight. Uh, and, like, obviously Vader's learned from that not to, to, to get hit by that sort of swing from his form, which I found really intriguing. Yeah. I guess the um like stunt and fight choreographers must have watched through those old fights to get an idea of how to how to run things and how to mm. sort of lead on from that. Because like you say, it is it it must show the characters learning from mistakes for continuity. But I think that's really good. That that like you said, the continuity, but also the effort put in by these stunt guys to be able to to make Vader look more agile, to get Obi-Wan fighting in that sort of similar style to, to Mustafar, but at the same time, he looks a little different in how he fights as well. Mm. So I, know, I think with the Jedi, when they train, there's, is it set, there's seven different fighting styles? Yes, as well as the yeah. Sith fighting style. Yeah. So yeah, he must have changed around with those. Mm. Yeah, I believe that. Um, I, th- I think off the top of my head, Vader still sticks to the similar fighting style that he was at An- as Anakin. But there's al- almost an adaption of Form Seven, which is the Sith style. But he still sticks with a similar form style to Anakin. Mm. But he has he's he's more restricted because of the suit. So it's a little bit more powerful swings, which he's adapted from the Sith style. So. It, yeah. it, it makes sense. It's really, it's really good. Like the the connection between the two. I love that. I see. It is just another another facet to how well it's written. Mm. Well, not not even just the story, but the the movements and the details and stuff like that. I wonder if it was actually Hayden in the suit doing the sword fighting. So I know they trained a lot for it, didn't they? I believe so. Yeah. I believe that because um, if you go on IMDb and look at like the amount of episodes you know, to, to the actor, credited to the actor, is that Hayden's in all six. So yeah. I don't believe there were any flashbacks in episode six. So that would make the assumption that he was Vader, um, as well as like the half mask thing, which we'll get into in a second. That was sick. Yeah, I think, because I know I remember seeing him, maybe it's some sort of interview or write-up or at some stage leading up to the series coming out, 
that he he wanted to be the guy in the suit because he did the same thing with episode three. He um they sorted him out of stilts and they put him in the suit so he could actually play suited up Darth Vader. And I think they've done the same thing this this time around. I was wondering if he if he did the fight scenes in the suit as well because that's some serious dedication to the role. If so, yeah, I d- I was saying in the intro earlier that um you know he can go back to his farm feeling very proud of himself to, to de- dedicate such to, to the character itself. Uh, so he, I, I think the fans are going to love him even more now. I, hope so. I just hope this isn't, isn't the last of it. I hope he's back on for, for a lot more things, especially if, if Fader starts cropping up in any of the other series. Be good. Yeah, if they want to bolster it, I think with Ahsoka, they have to because of Rebels yeah, to have that might. continuity as well. And I feel like the Sith Temple fight from Rebels with Ahsoka and Vader, something more yes. like that would be really cool, especially in, in live action. Dude, 100%. I, I, to be honest, even if they just recreated it live action, I'd watch it. Uh, as you saw with the... that annoying animation style. <laughs> what with the tiny lightsabers? Yeah, what the hell is that about, man? There's, there's a little bit of annoyance with that as well, isn't there? But there's also some really cool things in there where they've animated some of the Force beings, uh, whereas there's like you know, things you can't live action create that actually can only be shown through animation really in a, in a accurate way. Um, like the, I think it's the forces of light and the forces of darkness. I think I don't, the brother and the yeah. sister. I and, don't know if you saw that episode. And the father. Yeah. 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 I love that one. I thought it was so interesting because that's so far removed from what you'd ever see in the films. Mm. but it gives context and adds to the lore of stuff yeah it's so surreal that it's like a whole new part of star wars exactly and it, you know we've been talking about i mean we predicted it in the last episode so when we saw the when you saw the 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 mask come off when uh, obi-wan sliced him i was kind of like ah <laughs> just and it, yeah, it is I that was... resemblance isn't it ah oh, that gave me like proper chills yeah when um obi-wan addresses him as anakin after the helmet mm. is cut and he says anakin is gone i am what remains you see um Obi-Wan tearing up, and I wonder if that was real, real tears from Ewan McGregor. Mm. Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they've been attached yeah, to those roles for so right. long, and if they're into Star Wars, like I feel like a lot of the viewers were getting emotional at that point as well. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't strike me as odd for Ewan McGregor to be getting heated up over that. It was a beautiful moment, mate. I, I watched it and thought, this is the perfect way to make the bridge between Obi-Wan believing Anakin to still be in there to him just giving up on him and, and only seeing Darth Vader. Yeah. He says, I'm sorry, Anakin, for all of it. And you see his eyes go really, like, glassy. But um, another interesting thing I noticed in that scene is that um, when he's leaving, he leaves him alive because he must Mm. still have have these sort of attachments. But he says goodbye Darth instead of goodbye Anakin. Yes. Not Darth Vader, not Anakin, just Darth. And in episode four, when he's old and he sees Darth Vader, he just addresses him as Darth. So that was like another another callback, which I thought was neat. It is. No, no, I spotted that as well. And I thought to myself that it Obi-Wan clearly still has some sort of converting to to do to be able to get to Alec Guinness's character from where he is because there's clearly Mm. something that's matured him which I think can only really be shown in Rebels where Maul finds him in the desert but that's a separate point altogether I think that the the fact that he says Darth is the the true like oh nail in the coffin Anakin's dead and uh, you know the story he tells to, to Luke later on really comes into effect here it's like when um i think it's almost a feeling of relief but when when vader says that he killed anakin and he says i am not your failure because i think there's quite a a running theme of 
Obi-Wan feeling like it's his personal failure that this has all happened. Like mm. he he went wrong training Anakin and he let them down and he let things get that bad. Yeah, I think that's what stopped him from being able to use the force is that lack of balance because you have to have be one with yourself as well as with the force and that's mm. like his regret his thought process to to thinking that he's the one who caused anakin to turn to a darth or in you know going into the sith is what stopped him from being at full power which is i think you can see that resemblance when he's going through the memories in his head when he's covered by the rock yeah there's a lot of, a lot of flashbacks through there that i think they help power him off a bit give him a bit of a reality check yeah and and also be able to resolve them within himself because that's all the force is is just balance isn't it at the end of the day it would be i think interesting to see the the father the son and the sister because they're sort of omniscient watching them watch that scene i think that because the whole point of of that episode was to show that anakin was the balance between the brother and the sister but Obviously, because he's mm. turned to the dark side, it might be that the brother now has control over the the, the sort of siblings because the father dies, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, we. I, I think personally, it'd be good to see more of them mm. in in another series, maybe a Kenobi series, because I think that'd be the most fitted to it. Because things like Mandalorian and Boba Fett and stuff, they don't really deal with any Jedi side of stuff so much. Yeah, it'd be cool yeah. to see to see some more like of the surreal stuff with Kenobi. Wonder if Yoda's gonna have any involvement because I know he's sort of very tucked away on Dagobah the whole time. Yeah, it goes he... insane. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder if he and Kenobi will have any further involvement or if they just just never see each other again. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, is that, you know, with, with Obi-Wan and with Yoda, they had a close relationship in the Jedi Council, and yet, and yet we never see them interact again in numbers four to six, because obviously Obi-Wan passes away. But, yeah, it would, it would be intriguing to see. Yeah, because it wasn't even... Neither mentioned the other. I suppose, I suppose the um, prequels weren't written by that point, but they sort of fill in a lot of blanks left by the original so they would have still known each other true true and and the ideas behind it is is all prequel related material so like you say it's hard to be able to fit that storyline in without having to have a new obi-wan series without you know obi-wan mm. traveling to dagobah i think that's more likely yoda stays on dagobah and obi-wan because of yeah. his this is the thing, he's got another five, six, seven years worth of time to fill up now before episode four, so it's plenty of time to go on a little day trip. Exactly. Yeah, and I think with the, the power of uh, the rebels being, and when I say the rebel, the rebel army, you know, powering up over this period of time, it gives him more opportunity to be able to build the rebellion because it gets bigger as, mm. it, as you know, we get to the new hope. I noticed another, another callback as well is... Oh, yeah. I think Vader said, are you going to kill me, Obi-Wan, or something like that? And he said, I will do what I must. Another another Jewel of the Heroes moment. I, I like that as well, because I think it's one thing that's that's shown in, in Rebels that, you know, you can link here is the fighting style that he starts with is Obi-Wan, when he's in the prequels, always uses the stance of pointing his lightsaber, sort of pointing towards, you know, horizontally. And then he as he gets older into Alec Guinness, he's holding it vertically in a different form style. Mm -hmm. And you only see that in when he's fighting Maul. So he uses the old style against Vader and obviously defeats him because it's like the same sort of semi-battle between, you know, the, yeah. the, the battle of the so heroes. I suppose as well, where he's, where he's been in hiding and not using the force, not using his lightsaber. He's not trained in any way, so he wouldn't have known anything different. It just picked up where he left off, in a way. 
But I love that. It's continuity. Again, one more thing adding to, to the stack of things that you can you point out in this series. Um, and like you said, the fact that they, uh, they, they found that, you know, the line between number three and number and, and this series is really well related. But I was going to ask as well, did you, did you see that, you know, throughout the battle, you see Vader get the upper hand? And like you said, he ha- he's using the force quite heavily. And I w- I'm always intrigued by that with Vader is that he never did that as Anakin. He used a lot of the time, it was just purely saber work. And obviously yeah. becoming, you know, Vader, he's more mechanical, but it's meant to sever your link to the force, which you said in the last episode, which I kind of found intriguing. You know, maybe that's one one point knocked off for that. <laughs> I guess he, he would have become more powerful in time to sort of make up for it and pick up the slack. But also, I think he starts to rely more heavily on using the force to make up for how slow the suit made him. Mm. So he can't, he can't fight and do as much saber work as fast as he could when he was able-bodied. Is that what you say? But yeah, able-bodied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He apparently Google has something to say about that. Um, <laughs> He just turned on by himself and started speaking. Starts giving you random Star Wars facts. Just chucking <laughs> them in there. <laughs> You'll oh, find okay, the Kyber Crystal was actually this size. Talking of Kyber Crystals, I thought that was a really cool, really cool part on um, Fallen Order when you can go into the caves and get your own. Yeah. That answered some questions as well. But, um, I think when you see everyone smash up Vader's like respiratory units and stuff on his chest, and he starts wheezing and struggling to breathe. So I, I almost felt sorry for him. I, you felt sorry for them. I felt like Obi-Wan was being a savage. I was like, this is for the Obi-Wan I wanted to see. I was like, he's just purely yeah. targeting you, you never really, Yeah, you never really see that side of him as well. Not like, not fighting day as such, but just, yeah, like you said, being a savage. And before, that's not very, that's not very Obi-Wan of you. Yeah, exactly. He's only ever done that in uh, against Darth Maul when he was angry because he obviously killed Qui-Gon. Mm. Yeah, I guess could you see that as Obi-Wan showing a bit of dark side? See, I always look at Obi-Wan. I never look at him as a character and think, does he actually have any dark side? Because he's like the one character who's consistently making all these right decisions. But you could yeah. be right. So I, think, I guess given that the Jedi Order fell and it's not really such a thing anymore, did he let his principles go a little bit just for that? Well, you, yeah, I think you might be right in the sense that as the Jedi Order fell, his he was like the perfect representation of the Jedi Order. And that's why he was the message left to every Jedi out there, which is probably why you know, that that level of respect mm. for the Jedi Order afterwards could be what's led him to a little bit more of a quote-unquote darker side to him. So I suppose there's been plenty of other Jedi who have been a bit a bit more towards the middle of the spectrum, I'd say. Like Mace Windu, Qui-Gon. They sort of just did things how it would get the job done rather than sticking strictly to the Jedi side of stuff. It's true. It's true. I do like the the idea within the Jedi that you've got Mace Windu, who's naturally dark and therefore has a purple lightsaber and he has to force himself to be in the light. And then you've got Plo Koon, who's naturally light and has the ability to tap into the darkness. I think those, you know, that should be made a little bit more of a point within Anakin is that if he'd been given the Mm. chance to, you know, have Qui-Gon as a master, and this has been shown in the comics and, you know, non-canon stuff, is that he would most likely have had a yellow lightsaber where he is naturally light, but he wants to be able to tap into the darkness as well. Yeah, I think if you'd had a bit of exposure to it, because where it was presented to him in episode three is, hey, you've been avoiding this your whole life, but if you want to save your wife, this is what you got to do. If you'd had a bit more exposure to it and knew to be wary of it and how to control it a bit more, maybe things would have turned out differently. Maybe, maybe this this is where we're getting seriously hypothetical and we start like throwing out some of the, the crazy theories out there. I think a really 
sort of relatable thing there, you know, we're talking about the darkness within Anakin, is that his home world is the place, you know, Mustafar, I say obviously Tatooine's his original, but Mustafar, his base, you know, this place of fire and ash and destruction is now his, like, representation. You know, Mustafar's such a cool place, but it's also where he lost everything. And so I love that they relate back to that in the episode, and we go back to, to, to his quote-unquote base. I suppose it, it ties in with Palpatine giving him that suit that hurts and always makes him angry and that sort of stuff is for him to be in a place of such hate and emotion keeps him strong mm. and keeps, keeps him, him on the dark, dark road yeah <laughs> jinx <laughs> but on, on top of that like when, um... no, you go, go on you go <laughs> you first <laughs> you're the guest here bud oh thank you very much I did like it when he said to Obi-Wan your strength has returned but the weakness still remains so that sort of he's behind that he's saying that he's personally lost any of his remaining feelings of friendship towards Obi-Wan so yeah. it's quite one-sided you've got Obi-Wan almost almost thinking he can save Anakin or save Vader but it's it's a one way street. I love it. yeah. I that's such a good way of looking at it as well because when you see Vader say it, there's no hesitation in his voice. When you see Obi Wan say, "I hope you're," you know, there, there's moments where he's like hoping Anakin's still in there. But when Vader says stuff, he says it with such conviction that you're right. He's there's nothing left but Vader. There is no Anakin anymore, and that's probably why mm. he's saying stuff like that. Because he's now using the Sith way of life where, um, you know, affection, emotions that aren't dark are seen as weakness. You know, without strength, you're nothing, basically. And it is, is he's dealing in absolutes, you know. There's no, there's no, like, trace of compassion left. Is you're not my friend, you are my enemy. And from that, we can, we can see that he's completely, you know, turned Sith. And then there, there is no Anakin anymore. Which is, like I said earlier, that bridge... Has been perfectly built from episode three, where we're thinking to ourselves, maybe Anakin can come back to the to the light if if shown, and then we see no, there's no way back. He is Darth. I think it would be good to still see more Darth Vader. I know we've we've been spoiled and shown a load already in this series, but just some actual Darth Vader stuff, maybe in like in the year or two after episode three just what he got up to what they were doing no i to totally agree I, I really want to see a little bit more of him taking command of going into these massive invasions you know where they they invade these like um kashik is a really good one where mm. the whole of the empire goes and raids kashik i'd love to see him uh, in real time going in and leading the commands and just like destroying everything that'd be so cool this is what i mean just I suppose what we're saying is we want we want to watch Vader commit war crimes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm just going to pause you there, mate, because I've just noticed that the the Zoom is going to time out in a minute. Um, I'm going to quickly set up another meeting, and then we'll continue this line of thought. A few moments later. Hello there. My Hello there. laptop. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's that is when every single Star Wars fan across the world started to cheer. Yeah, dude, I was so gassed when he said that. They, I think we said this before, didn't we? And um, they know how to give the fans what they want, and they must be, they must have looked online and seen, seen memes and what it is people love. So for them to throw that in at the end, there was just that was a nod to us, you know. Semanifique, amazing. Like, I was so hyped. Like, the smile on my face, I was just grinning ear to ear, thinking to myself, these writers, Dave Filoni knows how to get to the people. He knows what we want. He gets it, yeah. He gets it, man. Like, this is the thing. I think if Disney had done this with the sequels, if they just listened to the Star Wars community, everything would have been, like, they would have created a franchise that probably could be to this day probably one of the most you know paid for but also most loved they would have had sequels that we would have said ah yeah these are actually high quality rather than everyone going oh yeah. for god's sake 
But I suppose the danger with the film is that you do have to be quite concise. I know they can still, they could have still just done it better, but they have to leave out a lot to fit it into a certain amount of screen time. It, it's true, but I will always point out the trilogy that did it. As always, the Lord of the Rings, like they did it in three films. I was about Peter to say Jackson. that. So there's no excuses. Sorry, Peter Jackson did it with a much smaller budget. I was um, I got I got Lucy into watching Lord of the Rings with me recently. We watched all three Hobbits and all three Lord of the Rings, and it reminded me of that time where was it you, George, Johnny, and me? We watched all three extended editions back to back. Johnny wasn't there, sadly. Like that not? was the one time. So we're gonna have to do a reunion where Johnny actually attends this because he was actually in New Zealand at the time, believe it or not. Oh yeah, that was it. Oh dude. Um I was looking through Amazon Prime yesterday. Guess what I saw a trailer for? <laughs> you did, didn't you? You were like me, the rings of power are here. <laughs> Dude, I was so stoked. I don't know. I don't know when it when it actually drops, but man, that is going to be good. I am beyond excited because not only have we got an unknown cast, I thought something that was kind of funny that maybe you know I shouldn't have laughed at, but I thought, is that Bloody Henry? Like, is that the guy from the Bloody Hotel advert, like playing a Hobbit? I was like, this is hilarious. The skies are strange. He's about to welcome us into one of his hotels and say, come on down, kids. Like, this is it. <laughs> oh, dear. But like the, the, the budget, Amazon putting all of their wealth into this series and also the fact that they've set it into some really remote places, not only in England, but also in parts of all over the world. It should be a really in-depth series. Uh, mm. But uh, I have high hopes for it. And the fact that it's a TV series, like you just said a minute ago, it has the liberty to be able to use details and and, and really get in, you know, sort of deep into into the the, the stuff behind it. I'm not their timelines are going to line up, but I hope it covers a lot of stuff in Silmarillion as well. Oh, they did mention yeah. the the time of Numenor, so I do think that we're going to see some of the similar similarian uh, sim- <laughs> um, stuff being referenced. Lost you there, can see. Sorry. I, my, my internet connection here is terrible at the moment. It could be what was it? BT and not great either. Dude, it's, it's EE. I can't. Anyway, um, <laughs> the point being was that uh, they referenced Numenor. So if you read the description of in IMDb or on Amazon, you'll see that they're talking about the men of Numenor being making an appearance in the series. Nice. Which is, you know, similar in territory. So let's let's hope that that is the case. I've got high hopes for this one. Mm, mm. Mm, mm. Maybe we should do like think, a maybe we should do like a, a mini get together for it. Yes, I oh, do. We should totally do that. We just gone off on a real tangent. I noticed. <laughs> Who cares? The listeners get what they're given. There is no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's but this is the best a, part. Quite a Taylor's Tales podcast thing to do. Just just get going on it. Tangents brought to you by Chris Taylor. I am here for it, mate. I endorse it. I will give you all the tangents in the world. I am Mr. Tangent. Mr. Taylor's Taylor's Tangent. Taylor's Tangents. That that could be a rebrand after 100 episodes. (laughs) All of my my solo podcasts will just be called Taylor's Tangents from now on. Um, (laughs) Oh, dear. But... I, I, we'll, we'll end the Lord of the Rings stuff here, but what I will say is this, is that there's one detail that the listeners don't know, is that since I believe, I want to say either, yeah, it might have been, all of it's all of the sequels, I know for a fact it was uh, some of the in-between Star Wars films, such as Rogue One, but we've seen a lot of those together. And that's always made it a lot of a, a lot more fun experience to, to experience mm. Star Wars together with your friends. Uh, and so whenever I say these sort of things, I always want listeners and other people to to do that instead of just watching it alone. Because I know for a fact that, you know, you can enjoy it alone, but having a group of people who enjoy the experience as much as you, it just ups the ante. You know, it really does. Yeah, that's the thing. Because apart from the fact that like, it's harder to miss stuff and you can talk about different details, different things. It's like we do on this. Um it's just nice to 
to actually enjoy something like that with your friends. Yes. And just actually An appreciation. Be, be together for that thing, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I like about every time something Star Wars related drops in the cinema, we always just go up and see it together. That's become part of the routine now. Mate, long may it continue. Long, long may Disney be pumping <laughs> out the, the hardcore amounts of uh, content that they're going to do. You know, at some point, if I do get into a relationship, this is going to become a problem where she's going to be saying stuff like that to me, saying, like, why are you so obsessed with Star Wars and talking about it? But maybe uh, if you and Lucy can get through it, then I, I have hope for myself as well. Yeah, I've made her watch all of them, so... <laughs> hey, maybe we can, we can make it a double date or a triple date. Good man. Good man. That's it, man. That's it. It's legendary stuff is that the art of persuasion comes forth when it comes down to, to love for Star Wars. Part of the criteria as well. Wouldn't entertain someone who wasn't willing to at least give Star Wars a go. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there's such a there's something for everybody. Like, I, I do believe that even though it's a kind of a quote unquote nerdy subject, I do think that it is fun and it is a bit of a laugh. And if you don't get the memes, then I don't know if we can be friends. Talking of nerdy, I've um, I've come to hear lately that apparently nerd is a slur now. Yeah, that right, there's, 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 oh, that's what I said. But there's been some sort of thing about it following Comic Con, and apparently people are getting upset by it, and it's not a thing we should say. But I just thought, you know what? I've got one, two three Star Wars tattoos and Lord of the Rings one. I get a part. I've got a nerd pass. I can call call people a nerd. <laughs> you get more than a pass, mate. You're <laughs> welcomed into the fold. You you join us here, mate. Oh. <laughs> oh dear. No, I'm not I'm not for that. Uh maybe I'll get cancelled, but let's be honest, I've said a lot worse for stuff out there than, than this. <laughs> um the the term nerd it has been used since early 1980s culture. Let's be honest, it's not going anywhere. And if you're getting offended by that, I promise you now, you will have a very tough lifestyle <laughs> going Big forward. Fact. Yeah, it's not. It's just not a thing to get offended by. I feel like if you're a nerd, you own it. You know, we dude, we openly openly say that that's what we do. We love Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and just nerdy shit, man. Love it. Dude, dude I, I take it a step further. When I say I talk about, and, and I've made music compilations for Anime Man, how much more nerdy can you get? Like, you know, it's 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 really taken that step further. But at the same time, I like to think that I counteract it with some savage, savage workouts that very few people who who aren't nerds could probably get through, which is always fun to say. Exactly. <laughs> You're like a hybrid nerd jock. <laughs> Zero brains for both. <laughs> dude this, this working out thing it's it's slowly starting to feel normal i listen to your podcast and that gives me a kick up the ass i need to keep doing it good yeah that's it's it man. Tough, man. I, I think it's fundamental i feel better for it still waiting still waiting to see any big change i think that's another thing i'm so impatient with stuff normally if i want something i'll go out and i'll do it or i'll get it and then i've got what i want within a matter of hours or days but with this it's, it's taking that time to just keep keep grinding away and hurting away every day it is not an amazon prime delivery my friend you do not get it it's next not. day <laughs> no this shit takes time it's getting there but my god does it take time it does and because we're in our late 20s mate it, it becomes that much harder um sadly <laughs> you know and, and my dad keeps telling me it gets even harder as you get into your late 50s slash 60s <laughs> i think it's the thing when you're a kid you have to wait longer because your parents said so or because you've got to save up a little bit of money you earn from chores or paper round or whatever job you have but when you're an adult in your 20s nine times out of ten you can just click a button on the internet and then you've got what you want yeah and that can be a bit of a problem with, with when it this, comes down to restraint yeah but i think i think it's teaching me i've um i've i've got into the world of bonsai trees as well so i'm growing those which takes fantastic Apparently that takes even longer than it does to get in shape. So I'm teaching myself to appreciate time. Yeah, I've I've talked about it so many times, but the the ability to find what you love and working really hard at it and finding the consistency to be able to do that, I think that's the meaning of life. I think that the meaning of life is is you finding what you love 
and just doing it over and over again and finding that healthy habit of balancing that out with you know exercise yeah. and mentally tough stuff yeah it is like you said in your podcast you 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 build these habits and they become a thing and it is rewarding because you look and feel better but it's also better for your health long term and it's just another way of looking after yourself future proofing a little bit exactly exactly now I am going to have to put this podcast back on schedule because I've just realized we've done another Taylor's Tangents. Da, 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 da. <laughs> we did it. Um, <laughs> you, you need to get but, a little uh, fanfare that you can edit in for when you go off on a tangent. You know, like the, uh, the spoiler warning siren. You need a, a Taylor's Tangents trombone. It's just literally just going to be me dancing around the camera, just going, wait, <laughs> here comes another. <laughs> just something real ridiculous. Oh, I think I've already got an idea of ahead of what to do, but you, we'll, we'll wait until I edit this podcast because I'll put something to get the, <laughs> together for it. Um, it's always in the edits that I can chuck in the memes, chuck in the uh, the good stuff to, to make anything. Uh, anything serious, unserious, because that's the one thing that I always worry about is taking myself too seriously and that's why I love the balance of talking to people because it makes you take yourself less serious. I don't think you ever do that. I think you're safe. <laughs> well, that, that's that's good though. That keeps the ego in check. That's always a that's a positive thing. Yep, this motherfucker always smiling and laughing. You're always good. <laughs> good. That's it. So back to the back to the the uh, <laughs> Star Wars episode six. I was gonna say you brought up some really good points about association between obviously Darth Vader and Mustafar, as well as him being encased in his suit. But is there anything that you thought that obviously you want to see Vader being in his terrible self and creating war crimes, like you said earlier, um, <laughs> but is there anything that was missing from the series that, that we didn't get from Hayden Christensen? I thought it would be cool for Vader to meet Qui-Gon's fourth ghost. Because obviously Qui-Gon yeah. hadn't seen him since he was a kid and he cared for him and saw all this potential. So it'd be kind of interesting to see what his take would be on look at Anakin now. Mm. I think you're totally right, mate. I think the conversation would be so, not toxic, but it would be really intriguing seeing what have you, you know, the same conversation that he had with Obi-Wan where Qui-Gon saying, what have you become? You know, and, and him responding, I've become what you made me. You you left me all of these things. It'd be really intriguing, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it would be just dramatic. A bit of an eye-opener. Yeah, to see how far Anakin is from his youth to today being Vader. That that just, mm. like, that huge chasm that would be between him and them. Talking of... um. Qui-Gon's ghost, when Qui-Gon's mm. ghost appears to Obi-Wan finally, and he's saying, I thought you I was starting to think you were never coming did you notice that's at Beggar's Canyon where Anakin was doing the pod race? Oh no, I didn't notice that, that's it that's such a good find, mate that, that's seriously good, I didn't realise there's something else about Beggar's Canyon, in, I want to say in Boba Fett because mm. obviously that was on Tatooine a lot, but yeah, that's, that's made a few appearances in in the series that they've been putting out, but yeah, the the end of the end of that episode, that they're sort of standing in front, you know, the the sort of final straight where Anakin and Sabolba are having it out. That bit, that's where they're walking into at the end. That's one hell of a reference, man. I did not see that at all. Like that's that's strong from episode one all the way into Obi Wan. That's <laughs> crazy, but that i think was qui-gon sat at the end or was he in the crowd when he watched that because i believe he um, he comes up to him at the end like when when the pod race is finished and anakin celebrating like he's there so it's it's kind of uh, similar in the sense that he's waiting for anakin he's waiting for obi-wan maybe that's the the connection yeah. they're trying to make there yeah maybe yeah, but on top of that that's... you know he, he he is the 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 balance between, I think, you know, Obi-Wan has to resolve all the conflict within himself before he can, you know, like Qui-Gon said, he, when you saw me when you were ready to see me. It's very intriguing, that sort of, that view mm. there. Yeah, but it's, it's quite strange because you, 
you'd think he was ready to see because of how many times he'd asked and how how he was wanting to see Quag on this whole time. But mm. it's like you said earlier, yeah, he had to figure his shit out before he could see him. So he wasn't ready. Yeah. And I think that's the progression, isn't it? The the journey, the hero's journey is that you have to overcome all of your inner demons before you can resolve and 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 get to the end there's always something to be slain there's always been you know a hit that in the book the hero with a thousand faces it's um i think it's joseph campbell who talks about constantly that it's the similar the similar journey that all human beings have to go on or all heroes have to go on um there's a problem you have to resolve that problem before you can go on to to achieve your goal basically uh, and and that's really simple, di- you know, diluted down version of what that book's about. But it is very much so uh, the similar storyline for Obi Wan. Obi Wan has to get over Darth Vader before he can see, you know, his future teachings. Basically, he he even at one point wasn't that worried about the future because he says before he goes to meet Vader, whether he dies or I do, this ends today. Mm. So he's he's ready to throw it away. It's. To me, that's kind of strange because for Obi-Wan to say that, he's almost giving up on Luke. I suppose that that's just, that's how bad he wants to take Vader down. He's just, no no hesitation, no reservation. It's just, just going in and getting it done. It's true. It's true. He's very good then, at decapit- decapitating people, but he's not very good at, you know, ending their lives, is he? Yeah, he did. He did. Well, I know he had to, but it surprises me that he left him just like choking out on the floor rather than mm-hmm. trying to kill him and not realizing, like like Vader did to everyone when he buried him under all the rocks and then left him. He thought he'd killed him, but he hadn't. You think it'd mm-hmm. be a similar thing the other way around? Maybe that's the difference between what makes a Jedi and what makes a Sith is that forever forgiveness and you know leaving them to their own decline maybe i don't i don't know throwing throw you know what is the wind yeah obi-wan does say that to Rever at the end he says um i can't remember exactly how he phrases it but he says something about maybe strength being to do with knowing when to spare a life rather than take it because um yeah. she this was my final note she couldn't kill luke because she was having more flashbacks of vader at the temple so she almost had a sort of redemption story i loved her story and i think it's a really underrated one in the sense Mm. that she throughout the series i mean i said i I love going through and predicting stuff but i did think that that flashback rise at the beginning gave a little bit too much away uh Mm. in the sense that it it did show that she was clearly going to be one of the younglings it was going to be one of those stories but nonetheless it was really intriguing to, to see that progression from being nearly semi-murdered by Vader and then being murdered by him again, basically, <laughs> from there. Yeah, I suppose that, like a, a slower development of that that arc could have been a little bit, a little bit better. Mm. Like you said, they gave it away quite quickly. It would have given us more time to think about it or to wonder what was going to happen. But I, I still think the way they did it was good. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that she didn't kill Luke and she realized that by not doing so, she was not becoming Vader, the very thing that would have created her down this dark path in the first place. Which I think would have been cool. And I say this all the time, but if Luke and Leia were to cross paths at some point and not realize, that would be sick. And not realize I'd love to see that. Because obviously they, they, they run into each other when they're adults and stuff and they, they didn't know who the other was. But you know, when you, you meet someone as a kid and then by the time, it's 10 years later, you wouldn't recognise them. You, it's like meeting again for the first time. It would have been cool for them to cross paths not knowing who the other was. Yeah, that, that could have been a deleted scene maybe, you know, where they have them cross, go on Tatooine, like Obi-Wan takes her to Tatooine or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose, ultimately, he would have had no reason to take her there. Well, they would hmm. have had no reason to cross paths because Luke had never left Tatooine because that's why he wanted to be a pilot and get away yeah what happened to going to tashi station and picking up those power converters (laughs) we'll never know 
<laughs> we'll never know. It never happened. <laughs> oh dear. But I, I think that's the best thing, though. I think they kept the storyline linear. They kept it, you know, sticking to the the, the sort of canon stuff. And yeah, as sense. much as you know, as much as we want to have these crossovers, some of them just don't make sense to have in the series. You know. Yeah, I think I think they are fun as what ifs, but in reality, they just wouldn't wouldn't really work. Yeah, and I, I truly think that if you want to get some of these slight details, these these you know, references to the prequels and you want to have these things, you will have to have some sort of basic storyline, but, you know, the add-ons have to make sense within that basic storyline. Which they've done a very good job of. Because it doesn't feel like they've just, you know, stuck things on. It's not like, uh, you know, paper mache, they've just, like, stuck it together. We're like, that's all right. We'll, you know, we'll deal with it afterwards, you know, in editing. It seems really nice and, and, and clean and how they've kept it. And uh, ending the the show with Obi Wan saying to Luke, "Hello there," uh, was ex- just exactly what we were we were looking for, and it wasn't too cheesy. I thought it was perfect timing. I thought it was really well done. Mm. Yeah, it's not it's not overdone. So like, if it became a catchphrase kind of thing, it would have been really really cheesy. But for him to just wait the whole season and say at the end, it's such a minor thing, but also such a major thing, you know. Yeah, like you said, the fact that they know they've they've seen the memes online, they've seen the what the Star Wars community wanted, and they were like, "Let's give it to them right at the end." All about it. They didn't do the whole meme though, because General Grievous wasn't there. But that's okay. <laughs> he just sprints to the desert to get those two <laughs> hidden lightsabers. <laughs> he just goes out there and he just starts digging up the ground. Oh dear, that would be brilliant. Someone make that. Someone, if this ever gets listened to in the future, I want to see memes of General Grievous <laughs> running into the desert. Oh dear. But is there any last thoughts you want to you want to go into? Are there any last notes that you've got on the series, Jordan? No, that that's all my notes. I think we've used the form of tangents. Yeah, I think that's our ta- tangent tokens being slotted into the machine. Uh, I'm just going to have a look at if I've got anything else. I've got nothing. <laughs> Another classic. Nothing classic. Um, Can't resist a good meme. Yeah, I was going to say that some of the supporting characters, Rupert Friend playing the Inquisitor was fantastic, Roken, who played the um, pilot slash the guy who was getting, you know, setting up the mini-rebellion, was really good. There, there were some seriously good, you know, background characters who you actually liked. Um, and, and the only person I didn't like, which you can, you know, question on me, was the fake Jedi. Um, I always find him kind of, I don't know, a little bit wet when it comes down to acting, but that's just my opinion. I was really just a bit, a bit cheesy. You know, he's clearly a mm. comedy role, and that obviously there's some funny bits in Star Wars, but that didn't belong. It was the wrong kind of comedy. Yeah, it felt like I it think. was a Marvel thing, you know, sort of attached into there for some reason. Mm, like, like he'd called in a favour because he wanted to appear in Star Wars or something. Yeah, it, it's almost as if like it was like when Stephen Colbert went into The Hobbit and was that background character. At least you could say he was a background character than having the bloody lines being put in there. Um, but none, nonetheless, that if, if that's the only thing we have to moan about when it comes down to this series, it's a great series, you know? Um, they did good. <laughs> they did good. Uh, so I think we'll end the podcast there on a, on a positive note is that they... You know, they made some relatable characters, solid storyline, epic, you know, meme references, and uh, Hayden Christensen's back. Let's hope he's back for future series, you know? Yep. I meant that. I meant that. So, thank you once again, Jordan Green, for concluding this epic series for Star Wars. I think we're going to have to create a, a series of Star Wars podcasts for, from now on where we, you and me go through these uh, episodes and analyze them together. How do you feel about that? 
star tangents and all about it. Tangent tokens being created right now. <laughs> um, so this has been a Tell Us Tales podcast. This has been Chris's Corner. I've been your host, Chris Taylor. Once again, thank you, Jordan Green. And we'll end it here. Goodbye there. General Kenobi.